0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Holy cow, it's Thursday. Roy White, Ari Temkin, and we are just so fortunate and lucky to be the Thursday show here broadcasting the boys. Because we're, we're the ones that are tasked with introducing the NFL season tonight. The Kansas City Chiefs, the Houston Texans, Cowboys play Sunday. We have we've made it. Praise the Lord. We've made it to the NFL season. We did it, everybody. We did it.
2: We have officially arrived. Not even a surprise COVID test on Saturday evening could dull our fancies for what we're about to see on Sunday.
1: That's not true. It could do that. Why why would you say
2: that? I I suppose that it could, except (laughs) for the latest round of NFL testing produced just one singular positive COVID test. I think a lot of people out there, including myself, were skeptical about how well and how easily it could be done this season with things like training camp and players you know, moving all over the place and and moving across the country. But it seems like guys have taken it very seriously. And the Cowboys, as we know, have certainly been one of those teams that's taken it very seriously as they're all holed up at the star currently staying at the Omni Hotel. Um, I have to stand and applaud those gentlemen for being professionals and given, honestly, us and so many people Something that we desperately need in the year of 2020.
1: No question about it. There's nothing quite like the National Football League to heal what ails us. Ari Temkin on Twitter at RE Sports, along with my boy Roy White, who's on Twitter at RW3. Uh, and this is broadcasting the Boys, the very proud blogging the Boys Network. And we're going to preview the the Rams. We're going to take a look at the the Los Angeles Rams and maybe why this offense could be substantially better than it was last year when it was a major disappointment take a look at some of the matchups to watch for, but let's start with the 53 man roster Roy and a pretty simple question. Is this the right 53 man roster to win a Super Bowl in 2020?
2: Well, if you're asking me if it was what I believe to be the best 53 man roster that the Cowboys could have assembled coming out of camp, I don't know if I would agree with that statement. However, I'm basing much of what I believe about the Cowboys from talking to people who have watched them in practice and reading people and their observations from watching them in practice. I haven't gotten a chance to lay eyes on these guys myself. The Dallas Cowboys coaching staff has, and uh, call me crazy. I suppose I'll side with them over myself when it comes to evaluating NFL talent, but you know, is this Cowboys 53-man roster good enough to win the Super Bowl? They're certainly the most talented Cowboys 53-man roster that I believe I have seen in the past decade. Wow. Really? Yes. Yes. And I don't – I suppose I don't mean to necessarily name individual units, and I I didn't want to necessarily go down that road, but for this – Iteration of the Dallas Cowboys, it's certainly the best unit that Dak Prescott has ever been surrounded by, not just offensively, but on the defensive side of the ball as well. And I think that people looking at this team from the outside, not with Cowboys covered lenses, are also agreeing that the talent level on this team that has been assembled is substantial and they could potentially add to it in the next week or so if they decide you know, now that... No market has materialized for a guy like Earl Thomas if they decide after one week, hey, Xavier Woods, uh, potentially Reggie Robinson, whoever, uh, Darian Thompson, uh, Donovan Wilson, none of those guys look like they're going to be the guy at safety. So, hey, we can add a little bit more talent, maybe a nutcase, but add a little bit more talent to this roster as well. Do you think the 53-man roster is good enough to win a Super Bowl?
1: Is this the right 53 to win a Super Bowl. You know – I. So, short answer, yes. Long answer, until I see, you know, and this isn't really a roster-related question. It's more of like a, to win a Super Bowl, we're going to have to win playoff games. To win playoff games, you need good coaching. And I'm not trying to say that Mike McCarthy's not a good coach. I just, I kind of need to see what this team's going to look like on the field schematically. What, you know, all the things we've been hearing about, we've been talking about throughout this offseason – you know, will they be more forward thinking? Will they be leveraging modern principles and modern analytics to their advantage in terms of guiding, play calling and decision-making, you know, will, will all those things be at the forefront or was it just a bunch of lip service and Mike McCarthy is, you know, maybe a different, but still part of that old guard national football league coaches that are, you know, this is how football has always been played. It's how it's always going to be played. And, you know, so I, you know, I think it's a long way to say that, like, you have to have a really good coach that's able to evolve and adapt within a game over the course of seasons, over the course of a game, over the course of quarters, over the course of the season in order to win a Super Bowl. Like, you don't need a great coach to win a lot of games in the regular season, but to win in the playoffs, you do. And, you know, I, every team has flaws. I think the Cowboys' flaws are obvious. I think they are very flawed in their secondary. I'm also very concerned with their offensive line now, as, as we've talked about kind of throughout.
2: Hey, Training hey, camp? hey, you guys kind of scoffed at me a, like, a week or two weeks ago. Do you want me to
1: apologize? Would you like me to apologize? You were right, Roy. I was wrong. You don't wrong. need to
2: apologize. You're smart.
1: Course. I'm an idiot. You're the best. I would
2: never make you bow down and kiss my feet in <laughs> apology of, you know, something. You're
1: good crazy. looking. I'm not. I'm a troll. You were right. I was wrong. I should have made a bigger deal out of this, but... Now, all of a sudden, you look, you wake up, and you're hungover, and Cam Irving is starting at right tackle for you.
2: Yeah, and uh, get used to it because it's going to be a couple weeks. I want to get used to it. Starting the season. I don't want to. Reserve, not going to be available for the first three games, as is Sean Lee. The latter, not so unexpected. But the Lyle Collins thing, man, I'm telling you, And it may be going on – this may be the one thing that Mike McCarthy is actually going to do more than Jason Garrett. We thought Jason Garrett never gave us anything. Mike McCarthy may be blatantly giving us misdirection. Yeah. And Jason Garrett, while evasive, was never – I don't want to say not forthcoming. But he was never – You know, he would never steer you to believe something that wasn't to be true. And what we keep hearing from the Cowboys regarding injuries, oh, Lyle Collins, he'll be back in a little bit. Well, okay, Uh, then he's not. Sean Lee, he'll get to practicing soon enough. Well, then he's not. Now, we got another pair of guys who, yes, were listed as a part of practice today in Xavier Woods and Amari Cooper, both full participants, but... Correct me if I'm wrong for feeling just a little bit skittish about both of those players heading into Sunday night when this is already how the Cowboys have handled informing us of injury situations within the team.
1: Okay, so expand on that. I mean, I I could start with Lyle Collins starting on the side with training camp, and it's no big deal. That, please, he'll be fine. He's going to be back soon. I mean, at the beginning of training camp, it was Lyle Collins starting on the side with nothing, no problems. You, you you mentioned the uh, practice report from today that was released. Cheeto Uzier full participant with a knee injury. Amari Cooper full participant with a hamstring injury. Correct me if I'm wrong. I thought it was a foot injury, but I digress. Luke Gifford limited participation today, hamstring. Jordan Lewis did not practice with an ankle. Xavier Woods looks like he's going to play and wasn't even listed in the injury report. But so so expand on that a little bit.
2: Well, again, it's just a a situation where because of the. The situation we've all find themselves in and have found ourselves in with COVID, NFL teams and Mike McCarthy in particular are trying to take advantage of that, trying to take advantage of the fact that information is not getting out there to other coaches around the league. And if they can somehow control it, manipulate it, throw guys off, if you spend – imagine – in a two-hour practice, if you spend just 10 minutes preparing for something you think the opponent is going to do that they wind up never doing, that's a massive waste. And I can see from Mike McCarthy's perspective how that might be somewhat beneficial to keep them thinking, hey, maybe maybe X might play, maybe, uh, maybe another player might play that we haven't prepared for in a certain situation and we need to prepare for that. Um, so I can see it from a strategic standpoint, but When it comes to the fan base, I think we're going to be riding this roller coaster of nerves when it comes to injuries all season long. If there are guys that are nicked up, then you probably need to be concerned that what they're telling us is not as extensive as what it may actually be. That's all I'm saying about what I believe the 2020 Cowboys and the messaging that they are going to give fans and that they've already given fans through the early part of training camp and as we get ready for the regular season.
1: If we return to that initial question, is this the right fifty three man roster to win a Super Bowl, what gives you the most pause? I think we're both in agreement here. This offense the the offense is is Super Bowl worthy. This is a offensive this is a Super Bowl level offense in terms of what they're gonna be able to do. Um, The only
2: thing that can derail the offense, as you mentioned, is the offensive line, and it's really about the health of the offensive line. I don't think it will be about their play. If they're healthy, then I don't think we'll have to worry about their play. On the other side of the ball, and again, you've already alluded to it, clearly the biggest issues are in the secondary, particularly the back end where we're relying on, quite frankly, a lot of, relatively unknowns. We've seen some of these players in the past, but we don't know for sure that they can hold down the position for an extended amount of time. So yeah, uh, on the offensive side, it's the health of the offensive line. If they're healthy, they'll play well enough that we won't have to be concerned about them on the defensive side of the ball. It's the secondary and their questions are specifically, will they play well enough to keep the Cowboys in most games this season?
1: So, it looks like Cam Irving is going to start at right tackle. Lyle Collins will miss at least the first three weeks of the season with that hip injury. Um, you know, he, he is swing tackle, um, Cam Irving. He was formerly in Kansas City. When the Cowboys signed Cam Irving, I texted a buddy of mine who covers the Chiefs and, you know, I just asked him for his thoughts on Cam Irving, and he was basically like, Look, he's he's definitely was an easy whipping boy for Chiefs fans, you know, and and an easy target. But he's not great. You know, like you, you, he certainly isn't as bad as maybe Chiefs fans thought he was, but certainly not a guy that you want starting consistent games for you. And that's like the reality of the situation is teams, every team wants to have two really good tackles, right? There's not, there's not going to be 64 really good. You know, there's not like it, it, it's, it's a hard position to solidify. So it's like if this guy is not good enough to be one of the top 64 tackles to start. It's kind of like a relief pitcher in baseball, where it's like a failed starter. Sometimes you get a guy that that works out as a relief pitcher, but for the most part, it's a failed starter, and so you have to kind of, you know, you, it's a difficult dynamic to to um, to get over. And so I like I'm I'm very concerned with Cam Irving, and I know that like this is this is a very I don't want to say Jason Garrett esque because I'm going to do it a lot I feel like this year, but it just seems Jason Garrett esque to be like we're going to go with Cam Irving because he's the guy with experience. I, I like Brandon. Knight. I like Terrence Steele. I hope we don't see Cam Irving for very long if he isn't very good.
2: I'm so glad you mentioned Jason Garrett with that point. And we didn't even talk about this before the podcast. That's how insane sync you and I are. I'm so glad you brought up the comparison to Jason Garrett to say that that is like Jason Garrett because the Jason Garrett-like thing to do would be to go into week one knowing that Brandon Irving was going to be the guy and not preparing for that fact. I'm talking Atlanta, Adrian Claiborne 2.0, not preparing for the fact that you're going to be without one of your starting tackles. But again, morsels of information that we've gleaned from practice reports over the past couple of weeks have found that they are working extensively to move Dak out of the pocket, specifically rolling to his, left side towards Tyron Smith and away from where they may be a little bit light early on the season. Now, I'm Wait not going to say second. you're going to drop back every game and roll away from the pressure. But I do think that they've known that Lyle Collins was going to be a bit of a problem for the last couple weeks. And I think they've been preparing for that fact. Wait Face a minute. Garrett would not have been preparing no. for that fact.
1: So you're allowed to do that,
2: I hear I that. I hear they're doing it, but again, you can't get cameras out there, so it's tough to say whether you're allowed to or not.
1: I didn't know you could do that. I thought you just had to go in every game like playing the same style you always play and just plugging in different players because of the next man up mentality. I didn't realize you could adjust your game plan based on personnel that you have or don't have. I thought you kind of just keep rolling the ball out there, and if you get the same results, you just keep doing it and execute better. It's not, yeah. That's not the case?
2: And they're not just doing it on the offensive side of the ball, Ari, as you mentioned, you know, mixing and matching, trying to identify matchups that you can benefit from or matchups that you might need to focus on and prepare for as they are in regards to the absence of Leo Collins. But on the defensive side, they go and sign a veteran in Brandon Carr, who, by the way, I can't remember in – my time of covering the Cowboys, a time where a player that was signed to the practice squad generated as much buzz as Brandon Carr being brought back here and signed to the practice squad. But doing that allows them again to have another weapon in their holster that they can play matchup football with. And in 2020, matchup football is the right. way to go. Right. Right. If you are vulnerable, In one spot out of 11, offensive coordinators will find it and they will attack it until you stop them. And in this instance, that's why I believe Mike McCarthy is preparing this team for pretty much every scenario they could potentially face. Again, something that many, many times we all felt like Jason Garrett was lacking in. A situation would arise And it will look like he had absolutely no plan, no even thought that this could have played out the way that it did. Mike McCarthy seems to be preparing for every scenario that could potentially play out for this team.
1: Wow. That is just a major step forward. Okay. So I'm still a little skittish on McCarthy. Like I admit he is, he's he's not Jason Garrett. So that's a major step up. But in terms of like, Am I ready to jump in full bore into the pool, and cannonball, and be like, this team's going to win a Super Bowl? Like, I think from a personnel standpoint, you're not going to find any teams, you know, that are without flaw. So this certainly is a Super Bowl-level roster because of this offense, I think because of this offense and this pass rush. And, and you know what? I'll even say because of the front seven on defense. This is a good roster. It has, it has holes, but a really good roster. So the biggest thing that I need to see is what this coaching staff looks like how they scheme game to game, how they play a match of football, you know, how they're calling plays, those kinds of things. Which, you know, I think we know there's definitely components of it that are improved dramatically from what the Cowboys had had. But I'm just, I, I need to see it. What about you? Like, what's your, what's your season prediction for this team? Have you made an official prediction for this team?
2: You know, it's actually, uh, it's become more optimistic. As we've gotten closer to the season, as I've seen kind of how some of the teams within their division, i.e. the Eagles, are having their own injury concerns, significant injury hits before the season even gets going. I, before we even really got the team together, just looking at the roster, thought 10 and Mm 6. I actually think they're going to win 11 games now. And I don't necessarily know where they're going to pick up that extra one, but I do think they're going to find their way to win 11 games this season and – I think they're going to do it fairly convincingly. If you go back to last year, yes, they finished 8-8. and But in how many games was the luck of a coin flip, and when I say the luck of a coin flip, the luck of a missed field goal, the difference between winning and losing for them? And so often it was the difference in losing for them. Football Outsiders did a great article about how the 2019 Cowboys – Their expected win total was 11, based on the quality of play that they provide. DVOA, offensive numbers, all that stuff. So do I think it's that far-fetched to say they win 11 games in 2020, when Football Outsiders says they should've won 11 games a season ago? I do not.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is
1: I think they go 12 and four.
2: (laughs) Okay. One upper guy. I see what you're doing here.
1: I did not one up you. I'm on the record multiple times over and saying 12 and four. Um, Just, just for your information. Okay. Cause I know what it looks like like
2: here. Edify me.
1: (laughs) But it's just funny how you were like stretchy to get that 11th win. And I'm like, throw caution to the wind. Let's, let's go 12. I just think when I look at, when I, I mean, part of it's the, The roster. I mean, that's a part of it. It's a good football team. And then I look at the schedule. And and there's obviously a ton of unknowns about the schedule. But I I, so I start with what are the knowns? Like who are the teams we know are going to be good, right? We we know the Seahawks are going to be good. It's a known. We know that the Ravens are going to be good. Um, We know that the 49ers are going to be good. Am I missing anybody on their roster uh, on their schedule that we know are going to be good? Vikings. Steelers, do we know they're going to be good? I
2: think, man, I, I still circle Arizona as a team that you need to be concerned about. Maybe they're deep. Know, I'll there, get there.
1: I'll get there, there. But so just inter, like, in terms of we know they're going to be good. Like, they're, yes. they're going to be a good team. Seahawks, I'll get there in Arizona because I don't disagree with you at all. Seahawks, Ravens, 49ers. That's, that's three of the best teams in the NFL. We know that going in, right? Mm-hmm. So now let's go to the second tier, which is your Arizona's your Browns, your Rams, your Steelers, your Vikings. Who who of those teams do we think are going to be good?
2: Of those four, I believe it's the Cardinals and the Steelers. Uh, The Steelers have all the pieces in play. They were one of the best defenses of football a season ago, and they combined that with the worst, singularly the worst quarterback play in the NFL, when you combine the total numbers between Mason Rudolph and and the other backup quarterbacks they ran through there in Pittsburgh. So I think Pittsburgh is going to be good. And I think Arizona is going to be good, if for no other reason than the fact that they have the firepower on offense to score with anybody. Um, The other two teams you mentioned, I think they're both going to take a step back in 2020.
1: So, and then you go to the rest, which is, you know, I mean the Falcons, the Giant, and then the the division, right? So even if I'm willing to buy the Eagles are going to be okay. Like this is where I get 12 wins from. I, I think, and wings, I agree with you.
2: Five wins should be, I mean, the aim for the Cowboys, and six isn't out of the question within the division.
1: Right, and they've done that. What they went, I mean, they lost one game I think in the division last year, and they went undefeated in the division the year before that. And so then it's like, okay, there's three really good teams in their schedule. There's Two to four questionably good teams, so it's like, all right, if they lose to all three of the good teams and one of the like one, so I guess that's that's how I sort of come to the twelve and four record because it's like, all right, who are the knowns? And if I give the, all of those losses, which they all probably won't be, and then and then if I look at the four teams, they're like, I don't know how good they're going to be, but maybe they're going to be good. They'll win some of these games. That's how I came to twelve and four. Um, I, I do, I do think that this team is going to be explosive on offense. I look at the defenses they're going to play this year. There's nobody that really stands out to you defensively beyond like the Steelers, the Ravens, you know the AFC teams are going to play really good defensively beyond that, I mean I think that this is a this is a Cowboys team that's going to be able to outscore a lot of these opponents um, and hopefully not be consistently outcoached on a week by week basis, which is obviously what we saw
2: well, and real quickly on the on the uh, divisional opponents as well. You know, we talked about some of the scoring ability of, of the opponents the Cowboys will face this season, and we talked about the vulnerabilities of their secondary. Well, who in the NFC East scares you that your secondary is going to be going up against? Is is Zach Ertz the most fearsome weapon yeah. in the entire division?
1: Terry McLaurin and Steven Sims
2: for okay. the
1: Washington football. I mean, team.
2: say them all. Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard. Darius Slayton. No. Jason Garrett. Alshon Jeffrey. Deshaun Jackson. None of these names make you feel like you absolutely have to have a number one corner if you want to have a chance, is my point. Yeah. So the Cowboys have plenty of time to find themselves in the secondary, I believe, within this division. And that's one of the reasons that I think the season suits you know suits up so well for them. So back to the in- the entire original point of this whole thing, do they have a 53-man roster to be able to compete for a Super Bowl and potentially win it? My answer is unequivocally yes.
1: I was waiting for a but there. No but. No but.
2: What would you but?
1: I I mean – the, the only thing I would butt is the, what I brought up, which is let me see the coaching staff first. Let me see this thing actually play out in the game because I haven't seen it yet.
2: Well, I suppose that's fair, although you have kind that's of
1: for me. seen that's
2: what for me. the offensive side is going to be because Kellen Moore is still True. in charge of calling the plays. And based on all the reports we're seeing, we don't really know what the defense is going to look like, and that's the point. That's what we've been begging for. Show us a defense that we can't identify what it's going to look like before they even trot out onto the field. Are they going to be a 3 4 or are they going to be a 4 3? We don't know. They're gonna um, they are yes, the answer is yes, Roy. Yeah, they're going to be as multiple and as deceptive and disguising as they can be and all that, even if they're just as good as they were a season ago, which was not, then <laughs> deception and doing some of those types of things should still allow them to play a little bit above their heads.
1: All right, let's talk about this game in particular, Sunday Night Football. Um, the Cowboys and Rams, you can catch the pregame show with me and Brian Brodus on five three, The Fan, on um, the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, and then, of course, the postgame show To Follow um, with Full Reaction. So what stands out to you about this Rams team, Roy?
2: Far cry from what they were when you feared them. And that seems odd to me because that was really only two years ago. Right. When the Los Angeles Rams looked like they were going to be a powerhouse of the NFL for many, many years to come, Sean McVay was the hottest head coach in all of football. And then I suppose it kind of started with the injury bug to Gurley, and they still were able to have the prolific weapons on the outside and on the inside, I suppose, with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Uh, They found a great tight end in Tyler Higbee, and they really unleashed him through the second half of the season last year. But where I see the Rams significantly lacking versus where they were a couple of seasons ago also is on the defensive side of the ball. The Cowboys had their way with them running the ball a season ago. They ran their way to 44 points, and they did it with over 250 yards on the ground between Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think the Rams have done enough to improve their ability to stop those two. And if you can't stop those two, then how are you going to give enough help that's probably going to be needed to try to stop Amari Cooper, assuming he's healthy, but even if he's not, Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb between the two of them. I just don't think the Rams have done enough, and I think the Cowboys will will find themselves in a similar situation as they did when they faced the Rams in 2019, which is closing the game out late with Tony Pollard picking up scrap yardage and maybe taking one to the house.
1: So I don't know how to read this division, um, the NFC West. The 49ers are going to be good. Um the Cardinals could be good this year with Kyler Murray and then adding DeAndre Hopkins. And I mean, they 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 could be very explosive this year. Um, and you
2: never count out Russ
1: can never count out the Seahawks. I mean, this is still be one of the, and then there's the Rams. And I don't like, I think the Rams are gonna be good too because the Rams, like you mentioned the wideouts last year, that wasn't the issue. You know, Robert Woods and, and, and Cooper cup were very productive for them. And then they added Van Jefferson in the draft to everybody's raving about in the second round. It's a guy that, You know, he's prolific at Florida. He's just a really polished receiver. His dad is a receivers coach for the Jets. So he's just, he gets it. You know, he's he's a smart, smart player. The running game was horrible last year. But that's, if you want to look at like, what was the difference between the 19 and the 20 Rams, the 18 and the 19 Rams? It was their running game. You know, they they were a prolific running offense a couple of years ago, and they they were horrible running the football last year. Okay,
2: but let's educate our listeners. Was it the running game? Or was it the health of their offensive line? Because remember, when they ran over the Cowboys, they right. had a number of right. players that
1: it's did not to their the
2: team the following yeah. season. Roger yeah. Saffold in the middle. I believe, uh, I can't quite remember his name, but they had an offensive lineman that retired after that season. And quite honestly, their offensive line has been in shambles since. Yeah, And they haven't fixed those issues. So, yes, they have prolific weapons on the outside, but weapons – and, again, this is where the Cowboys need to be cautious. Weapons won't mean a hill of beans if your quarterback doesn't have the time to get them the football. And that's where the Cowboys are teetering on a, a little bit of a razor's edge with, to me, the way that the health of the offensive line is, is already going. But I know we don't want to get back into that. Um,
1: no, that's a great point, and and what I was just going to finish on saying on the running game is they did draft Cam Akers out of Florida State. You know he has the potential to be kind of a bell cow back for them, but and they didn't really have that last year, obviously with Gurley facing the injuries, and they just, I mean, Malcolm Brown from Texas, who actually crazy enough called the high school football game of his years ago at Cibolo Steel High School. Um He's you know he's he's an okay player, but he's not. I mean, he's not a special kind of talent. And so to your point. It's it was personnel on at both the running game and in the offensive line, and I do think their running game has improved with the addition of Cam makers. I'm not sure their offensive line has improved because they've done nothing to improve it. And Andrew Whitworth, who I mean at one point was an All-Pro tackle, is pushing 40 years old, and he's you know he's their staple offensive lineman. So
2: yeah, so the two players they lost Saffold, the interior guard, and uh, John Sullivan, who was yeah. the center, and who was one of the players quite honestly, who was pivotal in that game against the Cowboys. He was grading against the Cowboys' defense. He was building a road brick by brick during that game. And <laughs> once he retired, they, they haven't been able to find answers, and I still don't think they have answers there on that offensive line. And and that's why Jared Goff all of a sudden became a guy to be questioned by everybody around the league, and Noah could figure out why Jared Goff has starting to fall off a little bit. And that's why the star around Sean McVay also teetered a little bit, because you can come up with the most creative plays in the world. But again, if they all need to be executed within one and a half seconds, because that's all the time that you have, then you're going to have a problem. And you're going to have a tough time executing.
1: You look a little bit like Jared Goff. You ever gotten that one before?
2: I have gotten that. Jared Goff and Nick Foles. We went to the Super Bowl and I was actually able to convince people that I was Nick Foles, the starting quarterback for a team that was playing in that week's Super Bowl. And oh by the way, I just so happened to be walking around the Mall of America in Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: Did you also convince people that you were Ellen?
2: No. I haven't been able to convince anybody of that. Um and I would have wanted to weeks ago, but with the most recent allegations out against her, I think I might avoid that comparison going forward. What?
1: I would have to Google that. That's news to me. And
2: yeah, check news. it out. She's set to address it on her uh, next episode of her show.
1: I hate that. All right. Um, sorry. You don't
2: hate it. You love it.
1: <laughs> okay, defensively, Rams. I mean, this is still, you know, look, this is. Aaron Donald's still one of the best defensive players in the league. Michael Brockers still pretty good, you know, even ten years in a league. Jalen Ramsey just got paid. maybe he's not the best corner in football, but he's certainly top five right like so this is there's still some players in this defense. How good is this defense?
2: It's not very good. <laughs> it's not very good. How good do you think it is? Yes, they have one spectacular individual player. Is that typically a position that can affect games on a regular basis?
1: Can I mean, affect yeah. win
2: totals on a regular basis?
1: I think they have a good defensive line and obviously starts with Aaron Donald. They signed Deshaun Robinson. They had Brockers. I mean, I, I don't. A couple of years ago with Wade Phillips and they went to the Super Bowl, this was a great defense, right? And, and Yeah,
2: they were so good they got him fired.
1: That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, I. I kind of look at this this the defense kind of look at look at this team like they should be better than they they were last year, and I'm just I'm very concerned about that matchup for the Cowboys where you've got you know Cameron Irving a swing tackle starting at right tackle, um, you know, and you have questions about the interior of your offensive line going up against you know the best interior defensive lineman in football, maybe the best defensive player in football in Aaron Donald. So that, that's concerning to me. And just the, the composition of the Rams' defensive line is concerning to me, again, considering, you know, how can, you know, the question marks the Cowboys' offensive line.
2: I don't disagree with that. But, again, they have the same questions on the other side of the ball. True. The exact same questions. Can their offensive line hold up against the likes of Tank Lawrence, a rejuvenated Alden Smith, Everson Griffin? Starting defensive tackle, Tristan Hill. I don't know if you've heard about him, but apparently he's better than Dontari Poe po and Gerald McCoy, so we don't even need to worry about that loss of an injury. I, I say that somewhat facetiously, but... But he is starting. Look, all anybody has been doing that has seen Tristan Hill work this offseason, all anybody has do, has been doing that has seen that, they've been singing his praises. So who am I to disagree until I've seen it for myself. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt.
1: You have the Cowboys winning this game on Sunday night?
2: I do, and as I said, I, I think they'll roll to the point that we'll get another decent uh, a decent set of work from one Tony Pollard.
1: Interesting. Is that like your, your surprise player of the game?
2: no not my surprise player of the game because i expect the cowboys to work him into the game plan much earlier than they did a season ago but if you remember that was kind of the game that reminded everybody oh tony pollard is here and oh that's a nice little weapon to have around here not too shabby we should use that more often i think they will against the rams and again i I think this will ultimately be a comfortable win for them, although maybe not as comfortable as it would have been if there were fans in the stands because we all know in Los Angeles, True. that's Cowboys town. That would have that's been a the, Cowboys home game in L.A.
1: Opening up brand new SoFi Stadium, $4 billion there, this ridiculous cathedral to modern sports without any fans. Um, the the running back dynamic for the Cowboys to me is one of the more intriguing subplots, storylines going into this season. Like, what is it – what's it going to look like? You know, how are they going to – we've heard the, the ability for them to use both Pollard and Zeke in the field together. Like, how often – how often are we to see that? How – you know, how are they and – then, and then there's the idea of McCarthy's West Coast style of offense, and, you know, he's not one that uses the running back as much and didn't really much in Green Bay, was very pass-heavy, obviously – so it's like, will that remain true, or was that just the fact that he didn't have really good rushers in, in Green Bay, and so now that he does, he's going to use them. I'm just – I'm very interested and intrigued by how that is going to shake out in terms of the running back carries and the numbers and snaps and stuff.
2: Yeah, how are you anticipating it playing out? I, I, I think Zeke will get his work. I'm not concerned about that. The only tendencies that Mike McCarthy, I believe, is bringing to the Dallas Cowboys – And again, not to blow smoke, but these tendencies I am excited about, these are tendencies to err on the side of aggressiveness when it comes to situations like fourth downs, late game situations where you might want to go for it versus kicking a field goal. That is the pedigree, that is the calling card of Mike McCarthy that I'm expecting to see that we never got from Jason Garrett. Yes, he did improve in that regard. But he never even got to league average when it came to aggressive handling situations aggressively. And that is something that throughout his time in Green Bay, whatever took place, offensive struggles, defensive struggles, whatever you want to say, the thing that was always consistent is that Mike McCarthy was an aggressive head coach.
1: Yep. Well said. It is a new era, indeed, of Cowboys football and of the National Football League. Roy, what, what, what do you got?
2: Get me with your thoughts on it, man. I'm spouting off over here left and right because I'm so excited about football getting going, and and I want to hear from you.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, um, I, I, I believe, look, I mean, I think they're going to lean on Zeke, um, but I do think it'll be closer to 50-50 in terms of, you know, production carries snaps. Like I do think they're gonna have more balance there because I think they're, you know, they want to s- protect. It's not. It's not as much. I mean, it's about Pollard. Don't get me wrong, but it's also about protecting Zeke. He's getting older. He's getting up there in years and carries and whatnot. So it's like he's gonna be more effective. You know, over the course of his career, he's been more effective the more you use him. And I don't know that that will stand up. You know, like I, that's something that I'm not so sh- certain that will continue to stand up. And you have the depth, so utilize the depth. So yeah, I mean, I I, I think. You know, we'll see a heavy dose of Zeke, and then maybe we'll see a heavy dose of Pollard, and then maybe we'll see a heavy dose of both of them. Um, but, and I'm intrigued by how they're going to use both of them together. Um, you know, that that's, that's something to watch for too. But I, I think we will see, you know, pretty over the course of the season, we might see more games with, with a ton more Zeke or a ton more Pollard. But over the course of the season, I think we'll see more 50-50 for both those guys.
2: That's interesting. And as you kind of mentioned it, like, do you have to take Zeke off the field to get Tony Pollard his, Touches and his looks, I don't think you necessarily do, and that's another aspect that I am really excited about the Cowboys going down this road. I don't consider either Dalton Schultz or Blake Bell to be considerable weapons from a right. pass catching standpoint. So right. if they're in the game, I'm thinking of them as more blocking tight ends, maybe filling in the fullback position as as has been talked about a couple of times, but. I do think there's a lot of opportunity in sets that maybe would have called for both Jason Witten and Blake Jarwin a season ago that can now call for Blake Jarwin and Tony Pollard in the slot mm. and still keep Zeke on the field.
1: Yeah, and just I mean you start to start think about some of the personnel pairings that they can do. Mm. It's just a lot of things to be excited about and and Oh yeah. Yeah, it's uh, exciting it's get wild. Times
2: Cowboys fans. Huh? Exciting times, Cowboys fans.
1: Yeah, the NFL is upon us. Enjoy Chiefs and Texans tonight. And, of course, enjoy the Cowboys and Rams on Sunday. We will be back to break it all down next Thursday. Make sure to follow Roy White on Twitter, at dub 3 Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at R-E Sports. Also, make sure to find our YouTube pages. Uh, subscribe there, rw 3 on YouTube or at R-E Sports on YouTube. Uh, for more great Cowboys content, of course, keep it tuned right here to the Blogging the Boys podcast network and, of course, bloggingtheboys.com, where that should be your first stop for all things Dallas freaking Cowboys. But for now, Roy, what do you got?
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Merry freaking Christmas. Football is back. Woo!